Heather Denich of ESPN and ESPN.com, who joins us right now. You can find her on Twitter at CFB Heather. Heather, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Heather. Great weekend of college football with some crazy games, maybe some surprising results. I just want to hear, let's start off with the prediction, right? After the chaos that ensued, what's the top four that you would come out with right now? And what do you think the committee will ultimately go with? I'll go deeper than four. I think it's Georgia one, Michigan two, TCU three, USC for Ohio State 5, Alabama 6. Um, and the interesting thing there is that Alabama is going to be ranked ahead of LSU and Tennessee, both teams that the Crimson Tide lost to. LSU now has three losses, but Tennessee fans are mad at me for saying this because Alabama has two losses. Tennessee has two losses. They're sitting there with identical record. Tennessee has the head-to-head, and yet I would expect the Vols to be behind Alabama for the second time in the selection committee's rankings. Well, Heather, what do you think was the most consequential result of the weekend we just saw? Uh, You know, I I think it was the way Michigan beat Ohio State in the second half. Um, But, you know, everything that played out is kind of sitting exactly where I thought it would be, which is the loser of that Ohio State-Michigan game hanging by a thread, needing some help, but not quite out of it yet. I mean, this could be very easy for the selection committee if Georgia – Michigan, TCU, and USC all win their respective conference championship games, I think there's your top four. But if TCU loses to K-State and or USC loses to Utah, and remember, both of those teams, TCU and USC, are playing teams they faced in the regular season. TCU has to beat K-State twice. They beat them in the regular season. USC's only loss is to Utah. Very interesting rematch there. But if those two teams lose, then you're talking about Ohio State and two-loss Alabama in the conversation in that committee meeting room to fill those holes, along with the losers of those games. Heather, how you doing? Wes Bryan here. So glad to have you on. Uh, first thing I was going to say, you are biggest guest uh, as far as we feel like it. That we see all the time on TV. I was gonna oh, say, can thanks. we can, can we can we get a follow on our page oh, on our no, individual Wes. page? Let us get, get let's get some follows from Heather. Uh, okay, yeah, we're we're out here begging for followers. Thank you. <laughs> no, Mr. Heather's Wes. lit. She's lit. What you mean? You're good. All right. So you know uh, my Twitter feed is lit with angry Michigan fans. That's what I'm saying. Sure it is. All right. So I will ask you first about Clemson. What? have you seen is the difference between the Clemsons who were in the college football playoffs competing for championships and the Clemson Mm -hmm. that we saw this year? No Trevor Lawrence, no Deshaun Watson. I mean, to me, that's the difference because you have a defense that at times has shown flashes of the defense that is championship caliber elite level, right? In the committee meeting room, specifically, I asked Selection Committee Chair Boo Corrigan, what is it you guys want to see from Clemson? And the one thing he singled out was inconsistent quarterback play from DJ Uyunglele. And and I think anybody who's watched Clemson 
whether you're a fan or not, is like, what's Dabo's love affair <laughs> with his quarterback? I mean, there was one game, I think, was it Syracuse, where he benched DJ? I think it was Syracuse. Syracuse or NC State? It was the... It was Sy- well, Syracuse when Kate Klubnick came Yes, it was Syracuse. Yeah. Yes, it was. So it was Syracuse. So you saw that moment when Dabo made the switch, and you're like, he did it. That was a brilliant coaching move because he did what he needed to do at the right time to win. But we haven't seen it since. And DJ's just kind of been up and down. And then you see this week, Dabo makes a statement. DJ's his guy for the conference championship game. And, you know, I heard it, and I saw it, and I'm, my reaction to it was... You know, if I'm Dabo, I'd probably do the same thing because we're at this point in the season. That's your guy. Finish it out, right? If you were going to make the switch, you make it after the Syracuse game, I think, because you then you have time to usher in that new quarterback with the learning curve and all those things that come with it. Now it's, it's kind of past that point, so I totally understand, and I respect the decision there. But to me, that's that's the difference with Clemson is that you don't have a – I mean, forget number one draft pick at quarterback. You don't have a Heisman contender. And when you look around the country um, at some of these teams that are in the conversation, you can throw Max Duggan in there from TCU. Certainly Caleb Williams is at the top of the list and probably already won the darn thing already. Um, J.J. McCarthy at the game of his life from Michigan when it meant the most. You just go down the list, Bryce Young has Alabama in it. You know, Those are the teams that have the star quarterbacks. And then I'll ask you, too, about TCU pivoting to them. Now, we've seen like when Cincinnati or when Washington was in there or when Michigan State, these teams that make these improbable runs that are the teams that weren't preseason college football playoff darlings that we thought would be there. Is TCU a team that's just kind of lambs waiting to be uh, taken out? Because, you know, when I look at them, I think they're a good team, but I just feel like they're another one of those teams on the improbable run that will go to the – playoffs and uh, get squashed, so to speak, by one of the bigger teams. Do you feel that way about them, or what's your assessment of TCU? Well, that's that's the national perception of TCU, and we don't know the answer to that question, to be fair, until they do line up against a Georgia or an Ohio State or whoever it might be. But if anyone has watched TCU closely this year, the defense has played better as the season has gone on they've earned the type of comeback kids you know nickname because of their ability to come back in the second half and find ways to win these games i mean tcu if you look at some of these games is a team that the football gods have just been watching over all season because you're right everybody's sitting there watching tcu not to not to look at tcu as a good football team but to see is this the week they lose (laughs) and it just hasn't happened yet which is why I bring up that K-State game, and my colleague Sam Acho brought up a great point this week. He was like, I got to go back and watch the K-State game, and I agree with him. I need to go back and take a closer look to see how that game unfolded the first time they played. But look, they have a great quarterback. They can run the ball really well. If they can play championship-caliber defense, I think they can match up with maybe Ohio State or USC, Georgia's defense is what has separated it from everybody else. Heather Denich of ESPN joining us on the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You know, Heather, I was looking at Clemson coming in at eight after the one loss that they had suffered to Notre Dame, and it felt like the ACC 
was still getting some form of respect from the college football playoff committee. You know, now it's going to be hard for anybody, right? Clemson, they're done with that loss. North Carolina, it was done with any outside shot that they had after they lost to Georgia Tech. How much respect do you think the ACC got this year for majority of the season from the committee? You know, for a majority of the season, they were hanging on. I think it's fair to say that they were still in the worst shape of all the Power Five conferences. But if Clemson would not have lost that game, I wouldn't be talking about Alabama because you would have a one-loss ACC champion to help fill in that slot if TCU or USC loses. Um, you know, everything that happened over the last two weeks changed that top four picture drastically. I mean, it, you know, Alabama is sitting there with two losses and not even a division title, but it's two upsets away. You know, so back to your question about the ACC, they had a shot at this thing if they would have obviously beaten South Carolina and then won convincingly against UNC and had some help. All the stars had to align, but it wasn't a completely lost cause. I mean, the problem, though, is that there are so many other teams in the ACC that fell off this year. I mean, we were talking so much about Wake Forest and Syracuse and NC State, and the first half, three quarters even, of the college football season was great for the ACC. But now you're looking at Florida State, which has been solid and the real deal um, as Clemson's best win and as one of the better teams in that league. And Heather, I was going to ask you continue on with what you were saying about Florida State. Uh, was their resume enhanced as far as their ascension in the rankings by that win over LSU? And then going forward, do you see this program as a program that's getting closer to being a, a college football playoff contender type of program again? Yes, especially if Clemson continues to wobble. I mean, this is a balance of power shift. It certainly could be. Um, but the other thing, too, is I can't tell you how many people at ESPN and just around college football who pay close attention to some of these things have told me how good Kate is at Clemson. <laughs> I mean, there there are people who have just come. I remember at the sideline of the Notre Dame-Ohio State game, somebody came up to me and was telling me a story about how good he is. And so if that is waiting in the wings and is as good as advertised, look out, because Dabo can certainly put all those pieces together. But when you have everybody else in that league kind of wishy-washy, it's up for grabs. So there's no reason, no reason in my mind, that Florida State can't get back to the top in that league. Last question before we get you out of here, Heather. I feel like throughout the season, there's usually so much drama compared when we talk about the rankings and we're all angry at the committee for whatever reason. I don't feel like we got that a lot this year. You've been covering the playoff committee for a while. What did you make of the drama and or do you agree with the lack thereof surrounding the rankings that would come out every week this year compared to years past? Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like the anger index was real high yeah. <laughs> amongst amongst the fan. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's sort of it always has a way of playing itself out on the field, right? But 
still, there are so many possibilities that can happen with championship weekend still looming and the possibility of these upsets. So like, it's either going to be really easy for the selection committee or we could have a handful of controversy. And imagine this, guys. If you remember in 2014, the first year of the college football playoff, TCU was at number three and they dropped to number six because the Big 12 didn't have a conference championship game at that point. Can you imagine if TCU is number three tomorrow night and they fall out again because of the conference championship game? I mean, TCU fans are just going to go bananas if that happens. There's the chaos we wanted from the rankings. That is exactly how that would happen. That is the great Heather Denich joining us on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Make sure you follow her on Twitter at CFB Heather. Heather, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the games this weekend.